We're going to be in Luke 19, and uh, we're covering the first 10 verses. Uh, we've sang about it. It's a very familiar story. You guys uh, know uh, where we're headed as we talk about Zacchaeus this morning. Um, as I thought and prayed through uh, this text, the uh, Lord kind of laid this on my heart. Let's see how this goes, right? Marco Polo. Good job. Good job. Hide and seek. Okay, okay. Now, you can't, you can't answer the other half of this because it's one word. All right, sardines. Does anybody know what the game sardines is about? Is anybody? Okay. So sardines, one of the best games ever, uh, but it's got to be played in a large, dark facility. Uh, did this as a youth pastor a lot. It's much like hide and seek. Uh, you put people in teams or pairs of two or three or uh, something like that, and, uh, and one person goes and hides, right? But uh, when, when you find them, you don't, like, start the game all over. You hide with them until everybody has found where you are. And so it starts off as a very quiet game. And by the end, if you can't find the group of 30 people that are hiding in, like, a bathroom, uh, overflowing and sweaty and, yeah, like, then you're not, you're not, you're not a very good seeker. But uh, it's, it's a fun game. So um, scavenger... Hunt, okay, okay. Uh, this, this one might get a little harder. So only a few of you are going to know that. Geo caching. Good job. All right, last one. Pokemon Go. Like, see, I knew we would dwindle down as we got there, right? Pokemon Go. Um, guys, we are a, a people that love to seek and find. We are people that love to seek and find. And this morning, as we talk about Zacchaeus, we're going to see what the Bible has to say about a true um, seeker. And my hope, as we study this, this story that's probably very familiar to you guys, is that we would each walk away understanding that God would reveal to us that He has created us. He has created us to do the same thing, to be seekers of Him. All right? Join me in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts to receive the word of the Lord. Father, um, we come before you as, uh, as children. And, and uh, this is a day the world is set up to celebrate fathers. This is a day as Christians, um, hopefully, that is like every day in our life, especially every Sunday, that we revere you, that we give you praise and honor, that we seek to show you how much we love you. Lord, we gather here um, to worship you, but also to hear from you. To hear from you. Throughout the Bible, um, time and time again, you choose to reveal yourself to mankind. And we are gathered here this morning because we believe you are God that still wants to reveal himself to his creation. Father, please speak. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and take your proper place as this church's teacher and guide and lift up the name of Jesus Christ that he may draw all men, even us, to himself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 19 Starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and uh, was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, uh, there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief 
tax collector, and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Familiar story. If you're raised in church, you know the song and the motions. For those that weren't, we learned them today. I was one of those children that was not raised in church. I had heard the name Zacchaeus, but I promise you, every time I try to sing the song, I sing it wrong. So today's helpful. It's a tutorial for me. Uh, my hope and prayer is that if this story is extremely familiar to you, that it will be new wine today. It'll be new wine today. Maybe we'll have some new meaning uh, as we study the text together. We're, I'm going to move quickly. There's five things I want you to see. I'm going to move very quickly through those five points. And the first thing is this. I want you to understand this morning that our text teaches us that God richly rewards those who seek him diligently. God richly rewards those who seek him diligently. And so the story is that Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, that is where he is headed. He, he has fixed his face towards the cross. He knows what is going to happen. He's prepared his disciples for his death, though they haven't completely grasped it. And he's on his way, and now he's passing through Jericho. And there's a man there named Zacchaeus, who is not just a tax collector. He is a chief tax collector, which the text identifies and says means he is very wealthy. And this man named Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, whom the crowd would say is a chief sinner, uh, has one desire. He really wants to see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. The text actually says he wants to see who Jesus is. But there's a problem. Zacchaeus is a short man. And that's, that's literally the word in Greek. I looked it up a hundred different times in a hundred different ways. It just means short, like a child. He's a short man. And, 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 and the problem with that is that the crowds are massive at this point. And so this extremely rich man, this wealthy man, does the unthinkable. Because rich men didn't do this. Men didn't do this, especially wealthy men. He hikes up his tunic. He girds up his loins. And the text says that he runs ahead. Hey, he, he, he ran ahead. I mean, it's, it's like sprinting. It literally means to outrun the rest of the crowd. And so he runs ahead and he finds a sycamore fig tree. I don't know that we have those around here, but I did some research. They can be up to 60 feet tall. 
Okay, so Zacchaeus climbs this sycamore fig tree. He gets up high enough that he can see above everybody else, that he has a view of, of Jesus. Uh, and, 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 and again, just because he wants to see who this Jesus is. I don't want you to miss it. I think Luke is one of the best storytellers in all the Bible. Remember our text last week as Luke has assembled these stories together. Last week we had a blind beggar who just wanted to what? See. Now we've got a tax collector who just wants to see, wants to see Jesus. So he runs ahead. Now, I want you to see how Jesus responds to this little chief tax collector that is standing in a tree. Look at verse 5 and 6 with me again. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. I must stay at your house today. Now, what did Zacchaeus want? He just wanted to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus just wanted a glimpse of the glory of God. He just wanted a glimpse. You know, you think about Moses. God, show me your glory. I just want a glimpse of it. Zacchaeus just wanted to see. And being, being a short man, he couldn't see. So he's climbing up. He just wants a glimpse of, of the glory of God. He just wants to see Jesus for, for a moment. But he gets so much more than that. He doesn't just get to see Jesus Jesus stops and says, no, today, not only are you going to see me, you're going to eat with me. We're going to spend the day together. And the question we need to ask ourselves, friends, is why? Why? Why does Jesus respond to Zacchaeus in such a way? And I believe the reason Jesus responds to Zacchaeus in such a way is because it is the very character of God to richly reward those that seek him diligently, right? The Bible says that God made all of us and that he made us in his image. And then it says that he actually made us, he created us to be with him, right? It, it declares that God has planted this desire for, for, for him, for the eternal. He's planted the desire for him deep within our hearts. That, that, that it is God who has placed this, this desire in our hearts to seek out and to find him. That's why we're so consumed with finding things. That's why we love to find things. And when that desire is pointed in the proper direction, when that desire is focused on finding our Father God, God richly rewards us just like Jesus richly rewards Zacchaeus. Look at this, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That promise of God is true for you today. It's true for you today. Someone here says, Pastor, I've really been having trouble seeing God lately. I've really been having trouble. I, I don't know. I just feel distant from God. You want to know my advice, friends? Ready? Climb a little higher. Climb a little higher. You're having trouble seeing God. Stop doing the same thing that you're doing. Run ahead. Put some effort into it because God rewards those who seek him 
with all of their heart. They do not just get to see him. They get to fellowship with him. God richly rewards those that seek him diligently. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see this morning, I think this is a big deal. Don't miss this in in the story of Zacchaeus. It's a big deal. Ready? God sees you right where you are. God sees you right where you are. I want to talk about numbers for a second. You know, everybody says pastors are consumed with numbers. Not really, but but the numbers this morning. Ready? 7.3 billion. 7.3 billion. That is the number of people occupying our planet at this moment. About 7.3 billion people. And it's easy in that, uh, when you think about that kind of number, to begin to feel really insignificant, right? When you talk about billion with a B, and you're one of 7.3 billion people, and it's easy to feel lost in the midst of that, in in that sea, in that mass amount of people. It's easy to to feel insignificant or unimportant, right? It's easy. I've heard this mindset time and time again from Christian brothers and sisters as to why why they don't pray about everything going on in their life. They say to me, well, I, I, I just, I don't want to talk to God about that. God, God's too busy with other things. He's too busy with the big problems like, like hunger and AIDS and poverty. I mean, God's, God's consumed with that big stuff. He doesn't need to hear about, about my little fill in the blank, right? You've heard it. You've probably, how many of you have said that before? Anybody willing to confess it? We're in church. God's watching, right? Anybody? Come on. Yeah. I have one, three people that have, have said that before. Liars. Liars, right? We've all been there. We've all done that. There's, there's been something that's important to us. There's been something that is consuming our thoughts. It's stressing us out. And we don't want to talk to God about it. We don't want to talk to God about it because we think it's insignificant. We think it's not as important as, as everything that God is doing, you know, calling out the sun and the moon and the stars and holding everything in place and, and, and you know, telling the waters they can only come that far. We, we think that God's too busy out there curing cancer and doing all the things. He, and, and, and we just feel like, like this thing that I'm struggling with, God, it's not big enough for you. And that's one of the reasons I love this story. One of the reasons I love this story is because it gives us a glimpse of the grandness of of God and the the glory of God. See this, Jesus is surrounded by thousands and thousands of people and they are all calling out and crying out to him. Hear me. He is surrounded by a crowd, thousands and thousands of people that are all calling out and, and crying out. They're, 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 they're shouting to him. And here is Zacchaeus quietly balancing and the bows of a sycamore fig. And you say, Pastor, how do you know he was quiet? Well, a few things. One, right? Rich people didn't run and they didn't climb. <laughs> they just didn't do that. <laughs> he was probably a little embarrassed. But two, I know that because of who Luke is. What did Luke tell us about the blind man last week? He cried out. He shouted out. Every time somebody shouts, Luke has no problem going, that dude was screaming. Yet here we have nothing about Zacchaeus. And so the crowds are shouting. They're, they're crying out constantly, right? It's, it's, it's a chaotic scene calling out to, G, to, to Jesus. And, and here is Zacchaeus just quietly wanting to catch a glimpse And the Bible says in the midst of all of that chaos, Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Listen, if uh, you don't walk out of here with anything else this morning, please walk out of here with this. Ready? God is able. 
God is able. God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he is able. He is able. He sees you right where you are. You are of great value to God. You are of great value to God. The things that you are going through in life, the feelings that you have are of great importance to God. God wants to hear about them. So act like it. Act like it. Act like we serve a God who is big enough in the midst of thousands crying out to him to see you right where you are. Does that make sense? Number three. Number three. I want you to understand that according to this text, God will invite himself to invade your life. God will invite himself to invade your life. I don't know, uh, you know, I, 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 I was born and raised in Houston. In Houston, uh, I, we, you don't know your neighbor very well. You just don't. I mean, it, it's not like, I mean, it's, oh, those people over there, they're the people that drive the Toyota. Or the, like, we didn't know them by name, you know. I mean, that'd be, that'd be atrocious to actually know your neighbor. Uh, you just didn't do those things. And part of that is that way you could walk and take the trash out in your boxer shorts, and they wouldn't, you know, you didn't care. You didn't know Larry next door. It didn't matter. Uh, but in, in Houston, like, we just didn't do that. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Uh, then we moved up to the panhandle, uh, where people evidently not only know their neighbor, but they know them intimately. And, uh, and so we're there, and, and you know, we, we just started having kids. I don't know how that happened. They just kept coming. Uh, There's not a lot to do uh, up there in, during winter. And uh, so, so you, 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 we have all these children. Now we have all these children. We have all this throw-up, and we have all these diapers, and we have all this laundry, and, and we're, like, we're treading water just trying to survive, and family's a long way away. And, and, and by golly, all of a sudden, our, somebody would just knock on our door. And I'm thinking, well, they, we don't have an appointment. I look out, it's, it's our neighbor. I'm going, well, you didn't call. You, you didn't call and say, hey, I'm coming over. We didn't invite you, right? And they just invite themselves in and they come on in and start talking. They just move the laundry off the couch and sit down. And they just, ah, la, 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 la. They bring stuff over, you know, like, hey, here's dinner we cooked for. I mean, awesome people, right? They just invite themselves in. Listen, God, who loves you and knows you better than you know yourself, He'll do it. He will invite himself into your life. He will invite himself uh, into your story, okay? So I want to talk to you in these next two points about salvation. All right, and we're going to start here. The, the Bible clearly teaches us that salvation is uh, through faith, but it's by grace, okay? Salvation is by grace through faith. Faith is the vehicle by which we fall into the grace of God, and it is the grace of God that provides us uh, salvation. But the question really is, what does that look like for us, right? I mean, what does salvation look like? How does the whole process start? How does it begin? And here's what the Bible would teach us. In John six forty four. Jesus said this. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Let me say that again. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. That is true for every person on the face of the planet. God must put, he must place a desire within our hearts to see Jesus. We are not going to naturally want to do that. 
They're not going to naturally want to do that. So, so it all begins with God. It has to start with, with God. Now, at some point, as, as God places that desire in our hearts, we have to submit to that desire. It, it, it's almost like the thing that you, you can't do. You remember when, when somebody gave you a present or they wrote you a letter a long time ago and they said, listen, don't open it until this day. What did you do? You opened it, right? And, and, and that's what happened. God puts this desire in your heart. He says, listen. Listen, you need to see my son, right? You, you've got to see him. And, and God puts this desire, and we kind of start thinking about this, Jesus. We start thinking about our life. We start thinking about the emptiness going on. We start thinking about our problems, and we start thinking about this, this person named Jesus that we've heard about. And, and, and suddenly, there's something rises up within us, and we go, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this stuff. I've got to go check out this Jesus. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to change anything, but I've got to at least go see what he's about, right? And, and, and so that's where Zacchaeus is. Zacchaeus, drawn by God, wants to see who Jesus is. Now, something amazing happens in that process as we seek to see Jesus, Jesus Christ sees us. Jesus Christ sees us. And when that happens, that moment that you have that divine stare down, I want you to understand it is not you who invites yourself into the life of God. We don't get to bust open eternity and say, Here I am. That's not how it works. Rather, it is Jesus who invites himself into our life. And Jesus, when he does, and when we receive him as Zacchaeus does, he invades our life with goodness and mercy and love. Right? And and it... It invades every inch of our our being and it begins to change us and and to transform us, which is really what my next point's about, okay? Number four. That this salvation, this salvation, it results, right? Uh, The result of it, at least, is uh, is salvation. This salvation comes through faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. So let's say this uh, together. I, I introduced Ephesians 2 8 a second ago. So just say this with me. Just say, by grace, through faith. By grace, through faith. It's not the other way around. It's not by faith through grace. It is by grace, through faith. That's Ephesians 2 8. So faith is the vehicle by which we fall into the saving grace of God. So back to our previous conversation. When we receive Jesus and that divine stare down, uh, his goodness, his mercy, his love, they invade our life. And when, when that happens, uh, what happens to us is uh, we are changed. We are changed, right? Um, so uh, it causes a change of mind, it causes a change of heart, and it causes a, a change uh, of, of, of ways or of course. That's what happens, right? And, 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 and I'm going to tell you this, true faith... Uh, in God, true faith in the ways of God always includes repentance, right? Because God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. So true faith always includes repentance. And so sometimes in the Bible, you're going to read a story of somebody coming to faith, and it never says that the person believes. 
It only uses the word repentance. And you think, well, wait a second. Is it possible for somebody to repent and be saved and not actually have a belief or not actually have faith? And, and my answer to that question is no, of course not, right? Faith is always that component because we're saved by grace through faith. So nobody can be saved without faith. Faith is a vehicle by which we fall into the grace of God. Okay, but, but it, it, it's like a coin. So salvation is, is, is a two-sided coin, okay? So both of these things are always present. Always present is faith, because faith is the vehicle by which we fall into the grace of God. But also always present must be, on the other side of that coin, repentance. Repentance. Jesus' first sermon, get this, ready? Wasn't, hey, believe. Believe was, was a part of the sermon, but his very first sermon was repent. Okay, and here's the belief part. He doesn't say the word believe, but he says repent, for the kingdom of God is near. For the kingdom of God is near. Peter's first sermon. The first sermon in the book of Acts, right? He, he preaches, it cuts the hearts of men, and, and the crowd responds, oh my gosh, what must we do to be saved? Do you know what he says? Repent. He didn't say believe. So why doesn't he say believe? Is it possible that that crowd of thousands came to faith in Christ, uh, or, 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 or was saved without faith in Christ? Absolutely not, right? Because faith always has to be there. Okay? But what did happen is it, That coin had to be there. Salvation always includes faith and repentance. True belief always involves repentance. And that's what we see in Zacchaeus, friends. And I want you to think about it in contrast with another story. Remember, Luke is, in my opinion, the best storyteller in the Bible. Who is the other rich person that Luke has mentioned here in his gospel? I mean, really rich the rich young ruler. Do you think it's important that Luke mentioned the fact that Zacchaeus was rich? Do you think, could he have left that detail out? Absolutely. But instead, he includes it. It's almost its own sentence. He was rich, he says. And he does it because he wants you to see the story of Zacchaeus in contrast with the story of the rich young ruler, right? So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, right? I mean, he's the other really rich person. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be saved, but he refused to repent. He refused to repent. For him, Jesus would never have first place. Yet here we have the story of Zacchaeus. And in contrast... Unprompted by Jesus, he says, today, I will give away half of all of my possessions, right? And if I have wronged anybody, and friends, he has wronged people, okay? If I have cheated anybody, hello, you're a chief tax collector, you cheated all of us. He says, I will repay four times what I've taken. It's an act of repentance. It's an act of change. God has invaded his life His life is changed. His life is changed. Salvation comes through faith and repentance. And we know his life was changed because what Jesus says in verse 9, right? Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Last point. I I, I I, I couldn't leave this out. We could have gone with four, but I just think it's important. I think one of the key lessons in the story of Zacchaeus is this, that you're, you're not too dirty for God, ever, right? Because God seeks the greatest of sinners. You're not too dirty for God because God seeks the greatest of sinners. Uh, last thing that I want to address, verse 7 uh, says, All the people saw this, 
Saw what? They saw the fact that Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. And, of course, that is the house of a chief tax collector, a wealthy, uh, short wealthy man, right? Everybody sees it, and the crowd began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Actually, probably more uh, true to the text would be, he has gone to be the guest of that sinner, of that chief of sinners, of that great sinner. I said I'd get to it, so here we go, right? We've talked about this before. Tax collectors were infamous for, for being, you know, not great people. Basically, they, they were thieves. So the Romans demanded a certain amount of tax. They could tax anything above that that they could actually bleed out of the Jewish people. And they sent to Rome what Rome required, and they got to keep the rest. It was extortion. And Zacchaeus is not just good at it. He's been promoted through the ranks. <laughs> he is really good at it. He is a chief tax collector, and, and he's very wealthy. And I'm sure his home is quite nice. And so the crowd sees Jesus invite himself. It wasn't even an invitation. Jesus invites himself over. And the crowd sees this, and, and they, are, they are in shock. How could this Jesus of Nazareth spend time with this guy? This guy is the chief of the scum of the earth. How could Jesus do this? People are in shock. So Jesus says this in verse 10. He says this to all the mutterers. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To every grumbler in the crowd, Jesus says, this is why I have come. Listen, don't let the well-dressed in church dissuade you. You are not too dirty for God. Doesn't matter that your past is more checkered than theirs. Doesn't matter that your house is not as clean as theirs. It doesn't matter that when you roll up your sleeves, you have scars. You are not too dirty for God, and we know that you are not too dirty for God because no one is too far gone for the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach out and save them. Jesus has come to seek and save even the chief of sinners. That should give us great hope, okay? So, uh, what do we do with that story? I'll give you some application. I'll be quiet on this Father's Day. Uh, one, I think the text challenges us to receive Jesus. To receive Jesus. You know, uh, this is the smaller of our two services, and, and I, I know most of you are the, the, the faithful that have been raised in church your whole life, and I get it, and that's great, but I would be amiss to miss an opportunity to say the story is about salvation. The story is about salvation. Jesus says today salvation has come to your house. Friends, Jesus would like to say that same thing of you. If you're here and you're a seeker, you're here and you've never received Jesus, you, you've heard of him, You've come just to get a little bit closer, to get a glimpse. He has so much more than a glimpse in store for you. So much more than a glimpse. I would pray today would be the day that you receive Jesus. A great sinner in our text was saved. You can be too. Second, um, I think the challenge uh, for many of us 
is to become a people that talk to God about everything going on in our lives. Talk to God about everything going on in our lives. And you say, Pastor, why do you say that? I say that because God sees you. Because God sees you. We serve a God that sees you. He, he knows that your marriage isn't quite what you'd like it to be. He knows that the stress at your job is higher than you could imagine. Even though you don't want to share it with your wife, it's taken a toll on you. He knows that you're worried about your kids and where they're headed and what they're doing. He knows it. He sees it. So stop thinking that he's too busy for you. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the thousands upon thousands crying out to Jesus, Jesus stops and sees Zacchaeus. You know what that means for you and I? In the midst of the billions that cry out to God on a daily basis, God is still big enough to see us individually. God sees you, Jennifer. And he sees you. God sees you, Mark. He sees you. He sees you, Ray. Right? He sees you, Bo. He sees you. God sees you, Geraldine. He knows you. He sees you right where you are. He's big enough for your burdens. He really is. Would you give them to him today? Maybe for the first time in a long time. Would you give your burdens to God today? Would you talk to him about everything that is hurting you and harming you? Please. I beg you. I beg you. You're not big enough to hold them. You know that? <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not. Neither are you. Number three, uh, I think the challenge, I probably should have just written climb a little higher, but I think the challenge is to seek God with all of our hearts. Some of you in the room this morning haven't been seeing God very well. You've been frustrated by it. You've thought God was mad at you, that maybe he turned his back on you. You've, you've maybe, you know, kind of pinned it on him. I want to challenge you. Maybe you're just not tall enough. Maybe you're just not tall enough. Maybe you just need to climb a little bit higher. You say, Pastor, what does that look like? Why do I have to put effort into it? Because God richly rewards those that seek him with all their heart. That's the promise of the Bible. If you want to see God, if you want to see God, seek him with all of your heart. Get honest before him. Just cry out to him. And I promise, not only will you see him, not only will you see him, but he will receive you. That's the story of Zacchaeus. That's the story of Zacchaeus. We little man, really big impact. You guys pray with me. Father, thank you for hopefully bringing new wine into this story, which maybe we have seen as old wineskin. We need it. We need it. I pray for a miracle this morning because I believe that you are a God of miracles. I pray this morning that if there is anybody that has not received you, Jesus, has not given their life to you, I pray today they would do just that. I pray for new life right here today. Father, I also pray for those, I pray for those that um, have been trying to deal with great things on their own and by themselves. They have bought into the lie that you are too busy for them. They have felt insignificant and unimportant. Today, I pray they hear the truth of your word. 
You made them. They are yours, and they are of great importance to them. The world is crazy. The crowd is chaotic. But you are a God that still sees and still hears. Today, would they act like it? Would they talk to you, maybe for the first time, about what's hurting them in a long time? And God, for those that feel distant, feel like they haven't seen you in a long time, would you give them the desire to be unashamed in their pursuit of you? To hike up their tunic, to run on ahead, and to climb that stinking tree. I pray that they would go the extra mile. They would give it their all just to get a glimpse of you. And as they do, I know that you will meet with them, Lord. I know it. I know it. Please, God, do that in our midst. In your name we pray. Amen.